This podcast is dedicated to all the guys I've met, lost and loved. I don't know whether they are still with us, as there were those with HIV and those who did chemsex. And to all those guys we've lost to HIV and to chemsex. You were all taken away from us before your time to shine. Let us not forget you all. Let's also not forget those who have now survived the AIDS epidemic too. Those who thought they were given a death sentence, but now, with the right treatment, are now undetectable. They now cannot pass the virus on to others. This podcast contains a frank commentary of a gay man navigating his way through the gay scene in the 1990s onwards. Although there is no explicit material on here, it does contain mild references of gay sex and drug taking. Although I take full responsibility of my actions, I do feel that the politics and the taboos of the 90s didn't help matters and were a contributing factor to my sexual and drug addiction. If you continue listening, you accept the fact that you may find some of the subjects uncomfortable. Names and places have been anonymised to protect the identity of individuals and of places. I have just finished watching It's a Sin on Channel 4 On Demand. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but the year it finishes on is 1991. I was 15 at the time. During the time when this mini-series was set, I heard about HIV and AIDS at middle school. So when I was trying to figure out my sexuality, it came with the real threat that just by being gay came with a death sentence. I have spent the last few days recounting everything and everyone I have met and all those places I have been and all of those things that I've done. I am nearly 45 and I do feel that my generation has been greatly affected by the AIDS epidemic and that alone brought it home to me by watching It's a Sin. This originally was going to be a personal account of what it was like to grow up in the gay scene from 1991 through to present day. That changed when I realised I was still not admitting to something a bit bigger. So to begin, in 1991 I knew I was gay, but thanks to section 28 my gay sex education was as follows. The age of consent for gay men is 21. They can only have sex in a private home, not in a hotel, and no more than two people. This was as much as we got, as Section 28 prohibited promoting homosexuality in schools. So I knew there must be others like me, but how the hell do they meet? Remember, 1991, there was no commercial World Wide Web, no smartphones, and it didn't even occur to me that there was a thing as a gay bar. I had homophobic bullying at school. I have been punched and kicked for being gay. It was a hard time in the 90s for being a young gay lad. There was more homophobia than there is now. There were no role models whatsoever, and there was no support outlet either. This 
coupled with the fact that there was a virus that killed mostly gay men, made it a toxic time to grow up in. I don't want to be political about this, but growing up gay was a lot more difficult then. You could get sacked for being a homosexual, no marriage rights whatsoever, and getting a mortgage was difficult for gay couples. And all of this under the cloud of AIDS. So let me take you back to 1991, when Kylie Minogue changed her image with Better the Double No, and the European Commission was discussing the Maastricht Treaty, and when John Major was Prime Minister. And we shall start with a 15-year-old lad struggling with his sexuality. 1991. I was 15 and already had two years experience in gay sex. I will hasten to add, it was two 13-year-olds experimenting. Did I know what I was doing? Yes. Was it consensual? Yes. Did I enjoy it? Oh, hell yes. Partly it was because I was having sex. Mostly because it was secret. It was naughty. And it was fun. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was fun. I will add though, I thought it was a phase I was going through. And I would always try to fantasise about females. But it always gravitated towards males. It was a losing situation. I tried thinking about straight thoughts. It just never happened. I do remember going through this as a boy one night. And the thought process was this. I like men. Am I the only one? Nah, that's impossible. I can't be. Okay. So how do I meet others like me? That was about a minute's worth taken up there. I knew nothing of gay bars, as it was a taboo subject. And I had no peers, except for the other 13-year-old, which we kept a secret, and I still do now. I was involved with an HIV-AIDS production at our town's youth centre, as we, as a group, thought it was an important subject to push. We learned everything about how you caught AIDS. We learned that it was through mainly blood and sexual fluids, and that it was more likely to affect promiscuous people no matter their sexuality. I had leaflets galore. This was brilliant, as for part of our GCSE English, we needed to talk on a subject. I was going to do magic. But as this production really took over, I went with the AIDS subject. I just went hell for leather with this. I was with a group of girls, so I was the only lad in the group. Not only did the group learn something, I vaguely remember our English tutor being very impressed with the research. To be brutally honest, I already had the stuff on me. It wasn't exactly that difficult to regurgitate the facts. Now, it was also at this time I found what I thought was the gay scene. I found I could pick up men in the gents' loose. Again, please remember... This was when the age of consent was 21, being gay was taboo at best, and I had zero knowledge of anything else. I am going to keep this as clean as possible. 
I don't want this to be porn material for anyone. I just want to be frank and to be as clean as possible. There was a code in the loose. Feet pointing towards the cubicle next to you meant that the person next was interested. If you came with a pen, you could instant message each other using a pen and toilet paper. Or if you're really prepared, a notepad. For those that now use apps, the messaging basically followed the same to and fro. Age, likes, do you have a place? Do you have a place we can go? Yes, the tech has changed. The gay man has not. Again, it was fun. It was exciting and, of course, very illegal. I have nearly been caught more than one occasion by the police. But because of my age, all I got was, there are some really bad men who would like to take advantage of you in here. You don't want that now, do you? And all I was thinking was, oh, yes, please. This is what I used to do on a Saturday. As I was a regular user, I met up with quite a few of the same guys on a regular basis. If these guys lived alone, then it was possible to meet up in a private house. I did exchange phone numbers, but please remember, mobile phones weren't as common. Although, 10p's and phone cards on me were very common. I had some good times, some not so good times, and times where... Consent was abused. I'm not saying rape or sexual abuse. Because there was a point in the act that consent was made and it was simply abused. I was told that if I didn't take it, then I wouldn't become a good gay by one encounter. Stupid thing was, I kept going back. As that guy had a flat to go back to rather than go elsewhere and in a public loo. For me, this is what I thought the gay scene was. It made sense. It was illegal. It was frowned upon by society. You were told that if you were gay, you were a dirty old man, and you could catch AIDS. And what better place to meet up with other dirty old men, and that was in a gent's public toilet. But... I was HIV and AIDS awareness trained. I was a stickler for safe sex. 1992. Under present legislation, I'm now at legal age. But this is 1992. I was still five years too young. So a year older and still trolling around the public toilets. This was whether it was in my hometown or in others. I was in the sixth form. The youth centre got funding from public health to do another AIDS awareness production and I got myself my first job. My mum got me a job with her. I got shown around by the manager who I was told was gay. So great, I now know a gay person outside a public toilet. This was new. During this time, a friend's dad told me about the local gay bar. What? A pub full of gay men? You you mean they meet in a proper building? Whoa. So a week after I got paid, I went to the pub. 
Yes, I was 16. Yes, I was underage drinking. But what the heck? Let's give it a go. I went to my local gay bar and I actually got served. This 16-year-old looked 18. Woohoo! I was sitting on my own and this guy called me over. Which, to this day, we are still friends. But more on that later. I needed the loo. So I got up and turned around only to see my gay manager and another work colleague sitting behind us. My whole life, all 16 years, flashed before my eyes. I'm going to get caught out. I'm underage drinking, these guys know exactly my age, and I'm obviously there to pick up other guys. So underage sex too. Oh my God, my whole world is going to crash. The following week, my manager took me by his side and basically said, look, you tell your mum in your own time. I will make sure that you are the first to tell her and not by work gossip. He was true to his word. Gossip about me and my sexuality was away from my mum. She never got wind of it until I told her. My reasoning was very simple. I will tell her my sexuality once I have reached the age of consent. I did get members of staff asking me when I was going to tell her, but until I came out, my mum never knew. Big, big thanks to the staff for making it my choice and not make it work gossip. Going back to that first night, my underage drinking stopped because I went back with one of the barmen and his boyfriend. My first threesome, yay! He asked me about his age, so I told him the truth. I was in fact 17. Sixth form and part-time work enabled that lie. The landlord wasn't happy that I was underage drinking, but felt it safer for me to drink coke in his bar as it was a safer environment than public toilets. Of course, I was young, I was 16, and I got a name for myself for being the slut of the bar. But what the hell, I was enjoying it. During this year, the gay scene got its act together and started giving out free condoms and lube in its venues to combat the AIDS epidemic. Of course, I took some. I was HIV AIDS awareness trained. I was a stickler for safe sex. Earlier, I touched on the second HIV and AIDS production. The cast figured out my sexuality. I spoke to the director about this. He came up to me too. It was the first time I had a proper conversation about the gay scene and being gay outside of a gay bar and outside of a public toilet. When we finished the production, we were taken to the West End to see five guys named Mo, but before then we were taken back to his flat, which he shared with his boyfriend. I knew that, but had to keep it quiet because he ran a youth theatre group and couldn't come out, as it would have had serious repercussions. This was also the time I came out to the youth centre fully, thinking, naively, that if I came out, others might too. I was wrong. I got punched and kicked again, mostly because I answered honestly when one guy asked if I fancied him. Not made that mistake again. The youth leaders were more sympathetic. They gave me the phone number for the gay switchboard, more than I got from school. It was more or less at this point I stopped going to the youth centre because I didn't fit in. Now back at school. The school was performing Annie. 
it got out that I was frequenting the local gay bar. I was the sound engineer for that production. The cast kept bullying me and I got to the point of carry on or I'll walk out. I walked out, albeit for half an hour. At the end of the show party, the youth leader of the school kept saying to me, By the way, you're not. And I went, I'm not what? She couldn't bring herself to say the word gay. So I basically said, you know nothing of my life, so don't judge me. A few weeks later, still getting homophobic abuse from some pupils, I went to my head of year thinking she might help. Nope. All I got was, if you continue this lifestyle at this school, you will be expelled. But I said, but I take precautions, what's the issue? She replied, if you tell me more, you will be expelled. If you carry on with this lifestyle, you will be dead. I said, fine, I'm leaving this school. So I did. Just by me being there meant the school was breaking section 28. My being there simply promoted homosexuality. So I went into full-time employment at a holiday camp in Bognor. Bognor is not that far from Brighton. I knew from my trips to the local gay bar that Brighton had a big gay scene. Let me tell you now, I must be the only gay man not to find one gay bar in Brighton. Yes, I had the gay times on me, but damn, that thing was out of date. I stayed there for two weeks and left. I got back to my hometown and went into temping work. I stayed in temping until 1993, but that's another year. This was also the year I came out to my friend from school. It took me an hour for him to take in the fact that I was telling the truth. It was at that point... I found out I was a straight acting homosexual. Fantastic. I can blend into society, people not knowing my sexuality, and I can keep it hidden. Even though I wasn't working with my mum, the staff was still keeping it a secret. At least in 1993, I'm going to celebrate my 18th birthday, albeit at the age of 17. Episode 2 will begin in 1993 and will be available on the 19th of March. I've been told to be promotional at this point, so here it is. Please follow me on Twitter and Facebook using at a 90s team. You can also comment on the episode by clicking on the episode webpage link on your phone or by visiting the podcast page on my website. Now back to the credits. This podcast was written, produced and edited by a 90s teenager. All music on this podcast is available at Purple Planet. If you have been affected by any of the issues raised in this podcast, please visit the link in the description notes of this episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs>